0: Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church Podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Good morning, Freedom Church, and welcome to Church Online. Is this a crazy winter season or what? Man, I've had to pinch myself and think, are we living in Texas or Alaska? First snow, now ice, but we're so thankful for technology, and because of technology, we can still have service, and we are glad you are safe at home, and we're praying that God speaks to you on this Valentine's morning. One of the things I want to share with you Because I'm so thankful for your heart to serve the community and love our city. On Friday, I got a call from Joe Bream from the city, and he said, Pastor B, our city's in need. There's a lot of elderly people. There are a lot of immobile people. There's a lot of people that are needy. I don't know if you've walked outside or you've traveled a little bit. You see this ice is beginning to weigh down some trees. Limbs are falling all over the place, and a lot of people are in need. And he asked if we can get a team of volunteers next Saturday, February 20th at 8 a.m. and help some of our citizens that are in need. And you know what I always say, because I know that you're a, ch- a church that lives out their faith, I said yes. So, more details to come. I'll be talking to them throughout this week, but put this on your calendar February 20th, next Saturday at 8 a.m. We will have a place to go to serve some of the needy people in our city in this winter season. Thank you for always being the love of Jesus. I love you this morning morning and i want to just share with you a message that i believe god has for us this morning it's called finding the one ever since we were kids we've been looking for true love check out some of these notes from kids that they wrote that went viral about finding true love first one was this dear ashley would you please be my girlfriend i like you a lot how many guys ever wrote one of those and he put this circle yes no or maybe Man, I'm thankful for that maybe because that helps the rejection if they want to say, man, if they circle no or they circle maybe, that's the same thing. This girl circles no, and look what she writes back. I'm sorry, I already have a boyfriend, Kyle, but when we break up, you're my next choice. P.S., that'll probably be a month or two. This girl has it going on she has a backup plan a rebound guy man she is smart look at this other one another kid writes dear mom i just got dumped at the dance turns out she likes bad boys am i a bad boy i hate girls can relate to that one how about this one sean it's from sean i'm breaking up with you you have not talked to me since the day you asked me out that was three months ago You need to get it together or you will never be married, and that would be sad. You should get married, just not to me. See, our culture is obsessed with finding true love. Ever since childhood, we've been looking for the one. Since we were kids, most kids grew up watching Cinderella. Well, of course, not me. I'm a manly man, and I would never watch Cinderella. But for the rest of you, you grew up watching Cinderella, And Cinderella is a story of how life is so difficult until, of course, Prince Charming comes to the rescue and you live happily ever after when you found the one. So here's the truth of my message this morning that I want to convey to you. To really be fulfilled in life, you have to find the one. But if you look at most marriages, the results will tell you that maybe most people have found the wrong one. Reality is most relationships don't go the distance. In her book, Sexual Detours, Dr. Holly Hine wrote some disturbing statistics about marriage. She says this, nearly 70% of men and 60% of married women have an affair. Stop and feel the pain of that for a moment. 70% of men, 60% of women. She reports that half of couples will not stay married. In 15 years something's not working in our marriages we hear those statistics and we all think that we're the ones that are going to be in the better side of those statistics every one of us wants a love that lasts the desire has been in there since the beginning it's God's fingerprint on our lives but it doesn't always go that way but here's what I know no matter how many bad relationships we've been in we still want to find the love of a lifetime because that's God's plan Mark wrote it like this in Mark ten seven. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. And they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. But the question is this. How do we find this love that no man can separate? This morning, I want to give you a real simple message. I want to share with you two simple priorities that will allow your love to last the test of time. Here's the first one, is you need to find the one. And I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. I want us to look at the story this morning of a woman who tried to fulfill her needs and fulfillment and look for security and identity and relationships, it wasn't until she found Jesus and recognized that he was the one that she was looking for all her life that life began to make sense. The story is found in John chapter 4 verse 13. It starts with this, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of everlasting life and living water. And the woman said to them, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty to have to come to keep coming back here and draw from the water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. See, finding a love that lasts starts with making Jesus the number one in your life. Most people look to acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. They look to a person. They look to a relationship. They look to a spouse instead of God. And if you don't trust God to meet your deepest relational needs, you will automatically transfer it to the people around you, especially your spouse. And when you do this in marriage, when you do this in a relationship, let me tell you what you're doing. You're setting up your husband, you're setting up your wife, you're setting up that person that you're in a relationship for failure. And what this woman does, she tries to fill the voids in her life with relationships. She was thirsty for the attention of men. And I have this illustration here. This is the love of Jesus and the love that he has to offer us. It's a well that is deep. But this right here, is the well of relationships that most of us go to. And when we go to this well of relationships, let me tell you, and we start drinking of this well, and we start looking for relationships, it's hard to get the water that we want. And most of us, we we think this well, and we empty this well out, and we get everything we can until there's nothing out there And we leave it dry, and we think this will satisfy us. And for a moment, it seems to work. And that's what most people do. They look to the well of relationships to give them meaning, to make them feel secure, to make them feel special. But here's the thing about that well. It goes dry quickly, and it'll leave you thirsty. There'll come a time where that well will not even have a drop to give you the drink that you are looking for. And when you do that, you are setting up the person that you're in a relationship for failure. See, every one of us should have a sign around our neck that says, warning cannot support the weight of your soul. Here's what I've learned in the last 20 years of counseling couples and being a pastor. It's controversial, but it's true. There's no such thing as marriage problems. You're like, Benito, I'm having marriage problems right now. We're struggling. Things aren't going crazy. Let me me just state that again. There's no such thing as marriage problems. There are single people problems that get worse in marriage. Problems like lust, loneliness, insecurity, unhappiness are not cured by another human being. Psychologist and marriage specialist Dr. Gary Thomas says this, quote, Marriage doesn't really create problems. It only reveals them. And when you aren't making Jesus the number one priority in your life, you will put demands on your spouse that they can never meet. And this is what this woman does. She's been married five times. And when those relationships couldn't give her what she wanted, she became discouraged. She became cynical. And she went looking for a new one to give her what she wanted. And this happens in so many relationships. You get married and things are going awesome. And you think, oh my gosh, this person is amazing. They meet my needs. They make me feel so good. And it's just going to be awesome. And it starts off good, doesn't it? Then moonlight and midnight give way to daylight, diapers and dishes. Life happens. And you keep trying to drink of that well you keep going back to that well of that water and you keep trying and all of a sudden you can't get anything because it's a dry well this is what this woman did she went and at the beginning there was some water but she kept going and she kept trying to find meaning and she could not find it and she made the mistake that she thought that human relationships can quench the thirst that she had and this is what's happening the devil is waiting for the moment that you wake up empty and dry And he's going to say, okay, try to find meaning. Try to find significance in your spouse. And you look, and there's not there. And all of a sudden, he's going to lie to you and say, you married the wrong one. What you need to do is you need to trade them in and get a new one. He says, your soulmate is in the Internet right now, and he's just waiting for you to catch the wave, find them. They're on Instagram, DM them. Maybe you can get on a dating... A app or get on a dating website. Join Farmers Only and you'll no longer be lonely and all those things. And what this lady did is she upgraded her husband five times and it never worked. She realized that she needed something more. Now she meets Jesus and Jesus tells us that you're drinking from the wrong source. Look what he says in verse 13. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks from this will be thirsty again. He's talking about the love of humans. He says, but whoever drinks of this, if you drink of me, there will be such a deep well where you can keep on going back over and over and you will never be thirsty again. So here's my question for you this morning. When, you try looking for law, when you're not trying to meet, find fulfillment and joy and peace and you're finding security, are you going to Jesus who has an endless amount of resources to meet your needs or are you going to the empty source of human relationships no matter how good they are no matter how love you no matter how great the dating relationship was there'll come a day when it will be like there's nothing left in that resource to draw from see here's what i want to tell you jesus is the only one that can quench the deepest thirst of your soul because when our security is dependent on somebody else we will become needy and clingy to that person that we're in a relationship with. It's kind of like that relationship personality called overly attached girlfriend. Maybe you've seen memes in her on the internet. Here's one of them. It's this is a meme. I deleted your Facebook and made us a joint account. How many guys would like somebody like that? That's never good if you're, uh, when you're dating somebody if they do that to you. Here's another one. I see your car at home. Your light is on. Why don't you reply to my text? That's scary right there, scary. Here's another one from Overly Attached Boyfriend. Honey, it's been three weeks and I haven't met your parents yet. I need to ask your father something. Let me just tell you, i got two girls. If Overly Attached Boyfriend ever comes to my house, you need to be watching this. You will never leave my house. We'll find you in the backyard, just saying. But I think we've all dated somebody like that. Maybe we've been somebody like that. I remember when I was in college, I took a girl out to ice for ice cream once. That next day, she wanted to sit by me at lunch. She would follow me to my classes. It was scary. She, man, I, I don't know if you've ever had a relationship. I changed my, right to, my, my route to class. I didn't go to lunch for a week. And I just tried to hide from this young lady. When I went back to lunch a week later, she was sitting by another guy. And uh, some of you guys know him because he's preached at the church before. To, uh, man, next Sunday, ask me if you remember, and I'll tell you who it is. But she was thirsty for male relationships. Anyone who becomes overly dependent on us becomes unattractive to us. When men and women are polled in what they're looking for in someone of the opposite sex, the top of the list, do you know what the top of the list is? Confidence. And it doesn't mean cocky. What it means is someone who gives. I know we get goosebumps and chills in that iconic scene in Jerry Maguire where Tom Cruise looks at Renee Zilweger and says, you complete me. But here's the reality. You were not created to be completed with the love of another human being. Only the love of Christ can complete us. We should never tell anybody, I can never live without you. Instead, we should say, life is good with you, but I can live without you. There's only one person, only one thing I can't live without and that is the love of Jesus. Because when Christ is number one in our lives, it changes our ability to love others. That's why Paul wrote in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives wives, just as Christ loved the church. Paul is saying that we are, lo- we are to love according to the love that we have been shown through Christ. He's pointing us to the gospel. This is how marriage works. It says, if you reject me, I'll bless you because Christ accepted me. If you don't serve me, I'll still serve you because Christ served me. If you don't want to pursue me, I'll still pursue you because Christ pursued me. My love isn't drawn from someone else. It is drawn from Jesus Christ. And that's a bottomless amount of love. And let me tell you, when it comes in marriage, no matter how long, there's going to come a day when your spouse is no longer going to be meeting your needs and you're going to get frustrated. You're going to become challenged. And let me tell you, no matter how long you, no matter No matter who you marry, there'll be a time where you feel like you're doing all the giving. It's part of what marriage is. And in that moment, you're going to need a source bigger than human relationships to draw from. You're going to be able to draw from the love of Christ because that's what the love of Christ is. Man, marriage is a shadow to reality pointing us to the love of Jesus and how Jesus loved us completely and how we are supposed to love others the way that Christ loved us. And that's why marriage is falling apart in America. Because we look to others to complete us rather than Jesus. Tim Keller calls this love philanthropy. Why can a philanthropist give so much money away to charity and not expect anything in return? Because he's making so much money over here that he can give away to charity over here. And that's the way we are with Jesus. Because we receive the love of Jesus here, we can give it to our spouse here. And to have a successful marriage, the first thing you need to do is you need to make Jesus your number one. So I'm going to give you two practical steps to make Jesus number one in your marriage. First thing is pray together. I want to challenge you. If you've never done this before as a couple, for the next seven days, pray with your spouse. Not only that, come to church together. Barner just released a study that it shows that couples that go to church together, the divorce rate drops by 50%. The next thing to do is just focus on becoming. A lot of times we want to change our spouse, but instead of trying to change our spouse, ask God to change you. Focus on becoming more like Jesus. Make a commitment that says, I'm not going to change my spouse. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to change me. Because so many times we want to change somebody to how we want them to be, rather than saying, God, you change me the way you want me to be. Read Galatians 5 this week and make it your goal. As you read it, ask the Holy Spirit to invade your life and help you express His qualities. Man, look at what it says of love and joy and peace and kindness, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Make those your goal and ask yourself, Holy Spirit, am I acting this way towards my spouse? And the second thing you need to do, the second priority, first is make Jesus your number one. The, the second thing you need to do is make your spouse your number two. God is our number one and our spouse needs to be your number two. This is the way God created the family to work. Let's read it in Genesis two twenty-four. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The Hebrew word here for leave is the word azad. It means to relinquish, to let go of whatever you're holding to to commit to something new. God is always supposed to be our number one, but before you were married, your parents were your number two. They're in the number two slot when it comes to relationships here on earth, according to the Bible. But when you get married, married, Jesus, God is still your number one, but he's calling us to leave our parents as the number two spot to literally azad, let go of that and grab onto a new priority. And that new priority is our spouse. Our spouse needs to become our priority in life. And let me tell you, there are many things in life that want to be the priority. A lot of things want to climb up the ladder and are constantly calling for us to take hold of. Some of you, if you're honest with this morning, you would say your number one priority is your children. Let me tell you, children are a blessing from God, and they are a top priority, but they're not to be a priority above God or above our spouse. One of the big challenges that we see in our culture is we have a lot of what I like to call child-centered parents, child-centered marriages. They have child-centered, these child-centered parents have child-centered marriages, and that's not God's plan, especially if when it comes to children, it can, they can become so consuming. We love them so much. We care about them so much. And, and, and life can go on with our kids. Like we, we, can, we can get caught up in going to soccer or going to recital, doing their homework, saving money for their education. We're going, going, going. That we would neglect one another. But before long, if we continually put our kids first rather than our spouse our spouse will find down the list of priorities, and it all feels right because we love our kids so much. But then challenges come when, they, when we get older and they go off to college, or especially when your kids turn about 12 to 15 years old, they all of a sudden become know-it-alls, and they figure out the universe. And unless mom and dad are on the same page, there's going to be trouble. Because you need a mom and a dad that are on the same page is going to navigate through adolescence for sure. And some of the best advice I ever received from my dad He would tell me, Benito, the greatest thing that you can do, the best thing you can do for your girls is to love your wife. And he'd always get my mom and he'd say, he'd look at me and he'd say, son, the best thing that I could do for you is I could love your mama. And he modeled this. He was always kissing my mom. He was always holding her hand. And those actions by my parents brought so much security when I was a kid. And your kids need to know how much you love each other. When a mom and a dad truly love each other, you know what it does? It builds security and safety and confidence in a child. They need to know that mom and dad aren't going anywhere. Many things will try to attempt to climb the ladder of priorities. Careers, hobbies, social media. Some of us spend more time on social media than we do talking to our spouse. Let me tell you, let me be Firm with you as your pastor, misplaced priorities destroy marriages. It's not the big things. It's not the affairs. It's not the money problems. It's misplaced priorities over years that come time, sometimes create the biggest marriage problems that I deal with on a constant basis. For me, sometimes ministry climbs the ladder of my priorities. There have been times in my life when God's work was getting ahead of my marriage. You might say, I thought you said God goes ahead of your marriage. I did say that. God and being a pastor are different. See, God is my number one priority. Jennifer is my number two priority. My girls are number three priority. And me being the pastor of Freedom Church is my number four priority. And let me tell you, you have to protect the priority of your spouse. We have a very natural desire to protect, especially as men. I do. Like, I have it replayed. I know it might be crazy. I know some of you guys do this too. But I kind of replayed it in my mind. If somebody ever breaks into my house, I have a plan of what's going to do. I've replayed it. I know where the big knives are. I've been working out. I know where I'm going to cut them. I'm getting ready to roll if somebody ever breaks into my house. Jennifer will tell you the story. One time we're in New Mexico in the middle of the night. My brother's there staying the night with us. In the middle of the night, there are this crazy sound like somebody's knocking the door, like somebody's trying to break in. And everybody's crying. Jennifer's screaming. My brother comes in, he's screaming. They're on the bed screaming. First thing I do is I take off my shirt. I open the door. I went. I get these big knives that I had because I didn't have a gun back then. The only guns I had were these ones. And what I did, I started screaming. I turn on every light. I open the door and I'm Where are you? Come Come. Come on, don't mess with my family. I'm looking, and I'm looking. They're screaming. You know what I was looking for? Some cats were mating underneath the house. I didn't really realize they made that big of sounds when they would mate, and it was crazy. It was just some cats. But if somebody came for my family, I was ready. I was ready. That's how we got to be when it comes to protecting the priority of our spouse. We got to be ready. We got to make it a priority. Ann Lander says this. Neglect the rest of the world if you have to, but never regret, neglect each other. So let me give you some real practical steps on how to keep your spouse your number two priority. Pay attention to each other. Do you remember how much you paid attention to each other when, before you got married, when you were dating, you bought flowers, you wrote notes, you talked on the phone, you listened to each other breathe? You said, you hang up. No, you hang up first. And all of a sudden, we become consumed with bills and babies and budgets and we're not consumed with each other anymore so guys notice your wife notice your new haircut notice when she gets her nails done notice the outfit tell her she looks nice pay attention to her tell her i love you because love you because you're an awesome mom i love you because you've always been Just, just give details why you love her Ladies, give your husband some attention. Notice when he's working out in the gym. Notice when he's working to provide it for you. Notice those guns. Hey, baby, I noticed you've been working out. Wrap those arms around him. Tell him that. He'll get so happy. Ladies, men need words words of affirmation. And man, your lady needs to know that you love her. Number two is serve each other. You're called to give your life to two things. First is Jesus. Second is your spouse. Paul wrote it like this in Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself up for the church by serving the church. What does this look like? It's looking for, looking for an opportunity to serve your spouse. If there's a task that your spouse does around the house. Surprise them. Take it away from them. Guys, if we're going to be home this week, man, help clean the house. Do the dishes. Cook dinner. Take away a spouse. Like, like here's a practical challenge for a husband or a wife. Look for at least one opportunity a day, every day this week, where you can serve your spouse. Just one. You'll see plenty of them, and you'll see God will do awesome things. And, And when you find it, Don't announce it. You say, did you notice how I did this? Did you notice uh, those little small things? Did you notice I put the toilet paper away? Did you notice I did the dishes? Just do it and don't say anything. I know for some of us that's hard to do. But it's the small things that make a big difference. And the third thing is this, show affection to each other. The Puritans believe that sex was one of the greatest gifts that God had given in marriage and they were consider they, and they considered it such a uh, considered a lack of affection or lack of sex in marriage it would be a major sin. Dr. Leland Wright in his book about early America tells a story about a quote about a puritan wife in New England felt that her husband was neglecting their sex life so she complained first to her pastor, please don't do that to me. And then to the whole church that her husband was avoiding sex. The Puritan church took it so seriously that they proceeded to kick the man out of church membership until he rectified the situation. I wonder, what would happen in our church if we did that here at Freedom Church? What kind of reputation would we have? Oh, if that church, if you're, you get kicked out of Freedom Church if you don't make love to your wife. That's not a bad reputation to have, right? Let me show you one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Man, you guys, memorize it. It's Genesis 26, eight. says this, Isaac was sporting with his wife, Rebecca. Let me tell you why I love that verse. The word sporting in Hebrew means caressing, fondling. This was the first sport ever invented. Like even after football season, you can still play this sport. I love this sport because you don't have to have any equipment. You can play it indoors, outdoors. It's all during the season. I'm a sports fan. And every man is saying, amen, thank God for sports. See, all I'm saying is we need to be affectionate to our mate. But not just in a sensual way. Let me tell you, men, especially men, what I've learned. There is this thing called non-sexual touch. I'm not making it up. It's true. It's a real thing. It's appropriate touching. It has no sexual strings attached. It's a simple kiss. It's a hug without the hunk of Non-sexual touching is good for your marriage. And our wives need this. So I want to challenge you for every sexual touch to give at least 14 non-sexual touches. Because our wives need to know that we love them just because. So I want to close this message. If you're at home, if you're, here, if you're watching with your husband, if you're watching with your wife, I want to close by making this and if you don't have a husband, if you don't have a wife, I want you to say, God, I'm going to make you my number one. But here's, here's what I want you to do. If you're right there with your husband, your wife, look at, the, look at them in the eyes and say, I promise to make God my number one priority. And I promise to make my spouse my number two priority. And if you're not married, I want you to say this. God, I promise to make you my number one priority and not to look to anybody else to meet my needs. Because when that time comes, Lord, I'll be the whole person you want me to be. See, if your marriage isn't working the way it should, if you're single and you find yourself empty and dry and you want a relationship so bad, let me tell you, marriage, a person will not fix it. It'll just make it worse. You need to go to a source that is greater than any person. That's the love of Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.